Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Charitable Georgia. Brought to you by Bees Charitable Pursuits and Resources. We put the fun in fundraising. For more information, go to beescharitablepursuits.com. That's B-E-E-S charitablepursuits.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Pruitt. Good, fabulous Friday morning. It's another fabulous Friday, and this is your first time listening to Charitable Georgia. This is all about positive things happening in the community, and we've got three more fabulous folks doing just that in the community that they live in, in and around. Stone, I've been mentioning I've been getting around the state, so I've got another one that came from near Lookout Mountain this morning. So, Cheryl Capelli, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you. I appreciate the invite. She is with uh, Family Team Mortgage. Correct? Did I say that right? Nope. That's the family mortgage team. Family mortgage team. We're I, close. Well, it's my, all good. Yeah, my, my, you can find us. My, my dyslexic's talking came out that way. So anyway, uh, you shared with me yesterday, you and I sat down and talked. You shared a little bit of your story and why you're passionate and how you got into, but you have a, a kind of a cool background. You started uh, in the, I guess, in the restaurant business mm-hmm. and stuff, and then you had a nonprofit and now you're doing mortgages. So if you don't mind, share your story and then we'll talk about how you the mortgages. Sure. Well, so I'm a near native of Atlanta. I've been here since all in the same area since 1973, but I lived here as a kid too, like a little kid too. Um, so I've lived here all all but uh, four years of my life. I grew up in East Cobb, very familiar with that area. And um, like you said, I'm, I've just made a big move up to Lyerly, Georgia, a little tiny town at the base of Lookout Mountain. Um, but you're right. Uh, I was in the mortgage, I'm sorry, I was in the restaurant business and I got there through recovery from a really bad marriage. Um, I was a battered wife. Um, I didn't really know what to do or how to get out of it. Um, lucky for me, I only lasted about five years in that life where a lot of people live their whole life there. Um, I got very lucky and was able to find the strength and pull myself out of it and get into the restaurant business. And I stayed there for about 12 years, but that's a really tough business. And one of my regulars happened to notice that I was frustrated and burnt out in the restaurant business and invited me into the mortgage business. So I fell into this, just like a lot of people, you know, we fall into our careers by an offer, somebody we talked to. And at the time, it was just a way to get out of the mortgage business, out of the restaurant business, just to do something different and use a little bit more of my background. My mom's a math teacher. I went to college for a couple of years for um, accounting. So math appealed to me. But along the way, and I've been there since 2004, I realized that I could help people like me, right? So a lot of um, clients that I talk to, they tend to feel embarrassed about their situation. But I come from a situation where I don't feel embarrassed by the choices that I made, but they were difficult choices, and they put me on a different path than I generally wanted to be or that my parents wanted to be, me to be on. So when I started in the business and and when I talked to a lot of people, they just sort of assume that people that are in the mortgage business come out of the womb smart and know what they're doing. And that's really not the case. A lot of us really, you know, we start um, 
with questions, right? And that's how we end up there. There's certainly sales to that and you you know, mortgage is lucrative. However, there's a lot of us in the business that really just enjoy helping people educate and show them what home ownership can do for them. And that's how, you know, that's how it developed for me, right? Talking to people who've been in my situation. When I got into the business, I had a 508 credit score. And um, hopefully nobody in the legal business is listening to this, but I did not file my taxes for over three years. I had my head in the sand. Uh, I thought that I was going to owe way too much money and I didn't care about paying my credit cards. I was still paying off debt after 15 years from my first marriage. And it was just a lot. And so when I decided to grow up and, uh, and in my mid-30s, fell into this mortgage business, I started learning more um, how credit actually works, what the game is to play it um, so that your credit score can be better. Because it's a lot of it's counterintuitive, honestly. Sure, make your payments on time. Um, you know, don't miss payments. Don't get collections. Things like that. That's that's intuitive. But there's other things that are counterintuitive that actually make your credit score better that people don't know about. Uh, so we spend a lot of time. You know, I've forged a relationship with this team, and I have been there since 2005. And the entire team really works to educate the clients, and make the mortgage process as seamless and as easy as possible and take all the fear and confusion out of it and turn, you know, just turn that into educated and excited about homeownership. We'll come back in a second, but there's two things I want to touch on because this leads into your passion for helping people and educating because you shared with me yesterday that uh, while you were at uh, Dave and Buster's, you actually helped and started a nonprofit for somebody who was in a a bad car accident, and and while That's that right. didn't turn out to be a, a good experience in the long run, you the passion was there to helping. The other thing that I thought was really cool that you shared with me when you were at a restaurant, uh, you had a customer come that was a regular, and she particularly wanted a, one of those dishes that you served cooked a different way. And so you made sure that she got it the way she wanted. And I think that's just really cool because it shows the passion that you care for the people. So you talked about educating, um, and I think that's important in whatever industry. We, uh, we'll get to talk to Trevor here in a minute about his industry, but he does the same thing. Educating is important because a lot of people go in and they just uh, think, well, I need a mortgage, and then they're off and running, but there's a lot to it. Um, what I think is really cool too is, and looking at the website and they list the team and I like how you talk about the team, you're, they give you the title of success manager. That's right. Yep. Share about that. So I have done almost everything in the mortgage business. I started out as processing, which is where the math and detail oriented comes from. Um, and it, during that time, it was the time of easy mortgages, right? So I actually underwrite all, underwrote all of my own files too. So and then 2008 happened and got a little messy. Um, but I stayed through and stayed as a processor. And then in 2017, my husband died and uh, I didn't have, I didn't have the income. So I needed to do something else. So went to my boss and I said, Hey, how can I, you know, how can I help otherwise in this company? How can I transition some of my skills? So I became a loan officer. Then um, COVID hit, and 
I had a sick mom at home. She had COPD and I couldn't go out. I couldn't forge relationships. I had to stay home and I'm terrible at the phone. I don't like the phone. Um, I would rather sit in front of you all day long and talk to you about your story, about what you do, what your goals are, what your family's goals are and things like that. So I went back into operations, but I missed the relationships. So unfortunately, when my mom passed away in um, January, the company was amazing at helping me. And they said, well, let's, you know, let's put you back out there, forging relationships, educating, talking to people, and we'll do success manager. So my current role is education, not only for our buyers or our, our um, homeowners, but for realtors to help them um, talk to their buyers in this really challenging market. I have a lot of um, buyers that are like, whoa, I'm just going to wait. And um, we need to educate them about what is actually happening in the market and take away the stigma of what's going on. Certainly rates are a lot higher than they have been in, you know, several years. However, it's kind of normal and people just don't remember that. So then my other portion of my job is that I am actually helping clients after the close. We don't just go, hey, you got a mortgage. Awesome. Pay your bills. See you later. That's not how we do things. Um, we actually follow up with the clients. We have some systems in place to make them more successful homeowners. Um, there's a lot of things that go along with homeownership that nobody talks to you about. You got to put money aside. What if the, you know, what if the roof, what if a tree falls, right? Um, you know, what if your HVAC dies? Do you need a lawnmower? Right. There's all those things. So that's the other part of my job is making sure that they're really successful homeowners. So um, we're, we're talking about the education piece. So if somebody's listening, can you give a little bit uh, some tips? Uh, you talked about the the stigma on some things. Can you give a little tips if somebody might be listening about how to even start the process for a mortgage? Sure. So we say it in business all the time that nobody wants a mortgage. You need a mortgage. Right. You, and, and there's you know, there's ways to shop for houses online. And you can certainly shop for a mortgage online. However, a conversation is always best, right? Because you can you can push a button and you can get a mortgage and you can get a pre-approval letter really quickly. However, they most often don't know your background. They might know your credit report number or your credit score, but they don't know your background or your goals. And there are so many different products out there that are that they're just not appropriate for everybody. And it's not a one size fits all. So I always say the first step is just make a phone call to a mortgage lender. And somebody like me, we're the worst people to talk to at parties because, you know, you go to a party and you don't know somebody. And what's the first question you ask them? You ask them, hey, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm in mortgages and people walk away. Nobody wants to talk about that. So um, it's intimidating, but most of us are here and we want to talk about it all day long. So the first step is a conversation and conversations don't cost you anything but time. So, uh, Is it appropriate to start looking for a mortgage if you're looking to buy a house uh, when, you're, when you're ready to buy a house or should you start any sooner? Oh, you definitely want to start sooner. Um, I I do talk to a lot of buyers who have a lot of heartache, especially in this market. As quickly as home um, prices have gone up in the last few years, they have no idea what they qualify for. 
So they look at a home that may be worth, oh, I don't know, let's just say 500000 and they only qualify for something at 350000 So once they've looked at that $500,000 home and how it's decorated and the amenities, and then they have to go back down and look at a $350,000 home, they are defeated and heartbroken and concerned that, you know, their, their dream or goal was here, but the actuality is here. So we like to talk to people way before that. Now, Zillow makes it super easy to look at homes um, and get an idea of what you want. And there's lots of people who sit in bed at night with their partner and that's all they do is look through homes, right? So you definitely do want to call earlier in the process if you can. So after you've bought a house, I know my mom actually just paid hers off. So, but, but I know when you buy a house, you can also go out and you can refinance if you need some money. I know a lot of people do that. Um, but I'd also like to just touch on this reverse mortgage program that people talk about. You see Tom Selleck advertising it on TV <laughs> and they always do it towards seniors. Sure. And I think that's gotten a, a, a stigma too, as you, if you sure. will, but can you talk about those? So we are not experts in the reverse mortgage. However, what I do know about reverse mortgages is they were a terrible product in the past. They really were. They really did a lot of harm to our senior population um, and they were poorly educated. Uh, nowadays, just like when we, we have lots of rules and regulations about mortgages that protect the buyers or homeowners, there are more rules and regulations out there now to protect seniors. And there are a lot of programs underneath the reverse mortgage. So it isn't only that you're taking the equity out, you can actually pay yourself so this could make a difference between someone losing their home or having to move into an assisted living that maybe Medicare pays for. Um, they could keep them in the home and help the, and have them have home health come in instead. So there are a lot more rules around the reverse mortgage, and there are a lot more people these days that have equity than in the past. 2008 showed us that we need to make sure that homeowners have equity at the start. And as fast as home prices have gone up over the last few years, there's a lot more people with equity. The average homeowner, I think I read, has somewhere around $160,000 in equity in their homes right now. And that's across, you know, the United States. So, Wow. So as your team, uh, do you guys have a specific area? Can you work all of the state, all nationwide, or where all can you help people? That's a great question. So we're licensed in Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, Alabama, and oddly enough, Texas. Oh, well, there you go. Well, all right. So if somebody's listening and they want to get the mortgages and learn more about it and talk to you, how can they get a hold of you? So we are a local lender, so we do have an office in Marietta. It's just off of Terrell Mill and uh, Powers Ferry. Uh, but the best way to reach us is first, go to our website, see what we're about, and that's, you know, thefamilyga.com. So it's just familyga.com. And then our telephone number is 678-483-3300, and there's always someone there to answer the phone, except for, you know, a little later at night, right? But once you start the process with us, you have the ability to talk to us almost at any time. Awesome. So, all right. So I'm going to go back to a second to 
obviously you're a people person because you couldn't be in the restaurant industry if you weren't a people person. But you talked about having wanting to get back out and being in front of people. Right. So why is it important for you to be part of the community? Well, that's a very good question. You know, I, I hadn't actually thought about it, but it is it is where it's my happy place, right? Um, I enjoy people's stories and I enjoy uh, learning how I can help them. And it, maybe it's not mortgages, right? Maybe I know somebody you need to know. Um, maybe, maybe I have some kind of experience that I can help you with, you know, or advice. That's, it's all about the stories for me. So, uh, again, we talked a little earlier that you had a nonprofit for a while. Mm-hmm. You started one. So this question is for, uh, a couple of reasons I'm asking it. I had it on, uh, what, two weeks ago, I had on a grant writer and a nonprofit trainer. And so I asked them the same question, but, um, I'll be asking you this too when we get to you, Ray. But if somebody is wanting to start a nonprofit, because we have one in the room, uh, what advice would you give them? Well, so I fell into having that nonprofit just because of a need. Um, someone I know, uh, had a very bad accident and could have died. And the result was, is that she was paralyzed and she was a server at a restaurant and didn't have insurance. Her parents were not well off. She had nothing. And she spent, hmm, I want to say six months at Shepherd's Spinal Center and she needed help. So I started with, I started with a car wash and this was the nineties, right? So we had bikini car washers, right? And, um, then I learned, you know, you can do more, right? So we had a golf tournament. I had to open a 5013C, and that was, this was in the 90s, so I had to do a little research. There was no Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to be honest, I think it's just to start, right? If you if you see somebody in need, just start and help them. Well, I also like for you to talk about because you've uh, kind of just gotten back into the networking aspect mm-hmm. of it, and networking is huge. We talk about it all the time, Stone. But um, everybody that that I've had on the show, in one way or another, that's how I've learned their stories is doing networking and one to ones with them. So, um, in your experience, talk about the power of networking. Well, the power of networking. So that's actually where all my business comes from. Right. I do a little social media, but I don't really think that um, business comes from social media. Certainly, um, certainly videos are cute. And, you know, the things that I post on um, social media get, um, get traction and it's for information and I can spread to a wider reach. But really, my actual clients come from one on one. I mentioned this at our networking group the other day that. Um, I worked with a client that I've been working with her for five years and she finally purchased a house. So the business came from our personal one-on-one, but the touch points came from social media or phone calls or emails. So it's the power of networking gets our message out on a more personal level, I think. And that's important to share, too, that just because you're networking doesn't mean you're going to get a business immediately. No. It takes time to build those relationships. So uh, as you can see, as she said, five years down the road. So mm-hmm. it may it may come next week. It may come five years down the road. So, all right, share your website phone number one more time just sure. for us. So it's familyga.com, and the telephone number is 
3300. Awesome. Cheryl, thanks for sharing your story. Don't go anywhere because we're really not done with you, but we're going to move on and talk to our next guest. <laughs> well, thank you. Ray Baker, Rock for Rescues. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you, Brian. So Ray is no uh, stranger to the radio, to the microphone. You actually helped start the Kennesaw State College radio station back in the day. And actually, I was there working with Scott Whitlock. And uh, you've done marketing and advertising. You currently also work with the Braves, which I'm sure is exciting for you and everybody else who's a Braves fan. Uh, but you also run a great organization. So just give a little bit of your background, then we'll, we'll get into Rock for Rescues. Yeah, as, as, as far as that, uh, I, I moved to Atlanta uh, in, in August of, uh, 1988 and, uh, worked with a, with a station in Smyrna. Um, uh, it is, uh, well, at the time it was, uh, it was in WYNX, uh, huge Cobb County sports. Uh, and in about, in about two years, I, I was there, reached out to, reached out to Kennesaw State College at the time. So Dave, look, let's you know, let's expand the let, let's expand the uh, sports. Let's let's have you guys on the radio, baseball, and also 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 basketball. And um, that 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 carried on for for several years. And uh, I was I was in radio off and on for for about for about ten years. Moved moved into uh, sports sports marketing. We 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 did everything. Uh, working with with March Madness to to baseball to to golf t- t- tournaments, everything like like for instance the Lake the Lake Tahoe event that has uh, Michael Jordan and John Smoltz and all of that. And we even ran uh, John Smoltz event uh, back way wow trying to think. Give you an idea. Our our uh, MC that night was Jeff Foxworthy, which John John Smoltz and Jeff are are like brothers. But we our entertainment that night was this up and coming artist. She had one song on the radio. Comes out, nobody really knew who she was. She had bright pink hair. It was pink. Uh, nice. And I think I think the fee for her that that night for was like five thousand. Uh, you can add many, many zeros to that now. Uh, you know, so anyway, so with that, uh, that, and so I've always, you know, started getting in, into events. Um, I would have friends call me there, there, they, they had, they had hired this event company or that one. And, and all of a sudden I, I would get, get a, get a call on a Saturday afternoon. Ray is like, you know, uh, we need help. You know, it, it would be like you, you calling me Brian and says, right. We, we have this event. They're dropping the ball. I need extra hand or whatever. So, so I started, started to do that. And one of the things I w- always w- wanted to do was do something music oriented. I knew I could not, uh, compete with music midtown, shaking knees and, um, uh, and all of those. And so, a cute little idea uh, blossom like at two a.m. You know, in 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 two a.m. in the morning, and um, and so that's that. That's how the nonprofit came up. But yeah, my my background has always been in sports, uh, and marketing, and branding, and and all that. So yeah. So talk a little bit about what you're doing with the Braves right now, because it's an exciting time if you're a Braves fan. Yes, it is. Um, you know, they currently have the best record in all of. In all of baseball, t- 
tonight is the start, you know, start back. And um, so it all depends on the moment of the day. I, I work on the on the on the game, game game day staff. I'm also one of the instructors for their summer youth camps as well. I work with the alumni Sunday mornings uh, and in other times. Work with uh, at at with the meet and greet uh, with uh, with the CEO uh, Derek Schiller. Um, and so with, with that, um, and then, you know, concerts, pretty much any event that that's going on at, at Truist Park, I'm, I'm generally there off season dur- during the season as well. Uh, but yeah, one of the great things as far as w- working there, I, I work all of the concerts, so I get paid to watch the concerts on, generally on the floor at that. Nice. So yeah. Nice. Well, other than the passion for sports and uh, marketing and all that, you have a passion for pets. That's where Rock for Rescues comes in. So share about Rock for Rescues. Yeah. You know, as as I said, the idea came to me like it was like 2 a.m. Um, at the time, I had a, you know, he was a 13-year-old, uh, 13-year-old ch- ch- chocolate lab. Um, and, um, you know, he was – it was the mascot, if you would, you know, kind of, you know, wanted to find out, you know, like I said, I wanted to do something music oriented, but I knew I needed some type of hook. Woke up. Everybody loves music. Everybody loves their pets. Let's combine the two. So the next day I re- reached out uh, to, to two friends that they're, they're both in bands. They, at, at the time, they did not know each other at all. Sent them a message through through uh, through Facebook and said, "Hey, here's my here's my crazy idea. What what do you think?" Within within moments of each other, they messaged back verbatim the exact same thing. It's only a good idea if our band can perform, <laughs> and and so. So our very first concert, that very first Rock for R- R- Rescues music festival was 2018. This cute little idea in in Milton, we had 5,000 people show up. Um, at, at, um, Atlanta Magazine got involved. In 97, the River got involved. All of these, this just mushroomed. And, and I had a great team with me. 2019, City of Milton said, let's close down the state road. Let's make it a street festival, and we had over eleven thousand people show up. Uh, in twenty twenty, we were actually going to have it right right here in Woodstock. Uh, we were expecting the probably the largest crowd at the time that the that the amphitheater has ever had. Um, obviously, COVID sh- shut everything down. We're back back building up, um, and so we we do m- music events uh, throughout the, throughout the state. Uh, we we put some of them uh, ourselves, you know, coordinate everything. Um, every everywhere from from the from the pet battery each um, each October we have it's it'll be this year will be our fifth annual Hoots and Howls event. It's always the last Sunday of of, of October. People come out uh, in in their costumes, their pets costumes. We roll out the orange carpet. Do do a um, do a costume contest, uh, live music. Always, all of, all of our events are always have live music, um, and so with that, and it also involves the you know involves um, uh, you know 
uh, various various companies, the the communities as well, and that that's that's where that's where we grow is. What we do, we raise awareness. We give that platform, we give that microphone to local animal rescue groups that that are in need. Uh, we have, through the years, we do our research. Um, there are so many fabulous ones that they they, they get grants. Um, they don't need our help, you know, because because of the work that they do and and the monies that they have coming in. The ones we work with. Uh, those are the ones uh, that are in need. All of our sponsorship, all of our partnerships, all of our uh, all of our donations, things uh, along those lines, help us put on these events, these these music events, these concerts, and all. What we do with all of that money, with the donations, with the sponsorship, with the partnerships, seventy percent of those we spread out evenly. To those that are involved with with that certain event, and um, and so w- whether it's you know whether it's a tree service or if it's a mortgage company or whatever it may be, we we have something for for that for that company, and I say this in the most sincere form. How many times? Because every company has to. Uh, they have to market themselves. They have to advertise themselves. They have to. They want to get involved with the community in some way. How many times can you say, when I put together uh, a put together a marketing plan that it actually impacts lives, it changes lives, it saves lives, in any company. Any community that that's involved with a rock for rescues, that's what that money does. Um, it actually impacts um, everything from from shots to saving lives to food to bedding. Every, you know everything that goes involved with with saving lives, and and it's not and, and it's not just dogs and cats. Um, we, we, we work with those that, you know, with, uh, you know, that, that are involved with, with horses, therapy riding. And also there's one that, that, that we also, uh, work with that takes care of all of the wildlife in the state of Georgia. You know, if, if an owl or a turtle, whatever is in, in injured, they will nurse that animal back, 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 back to health. If they can, they they will re- release it back back into the wild. But if they can't, they become ambassador animals for churches and civic groups and things uh, along those lines. All right. Well, so that was that's awesome because you talked about how you're helping multiple organizations, and that's kind of like you and I are very similar in the fact that when I set up Beast Charitable Pursuits, I'm doing a monthly trivia show helping eleven or twelve different nonprofits. Uh, and you're doing the same thing with the animals. You're just helping other, you know, the smaller ones or the ones in desperate need of, of the help. I need to talk to you when we're off air about my show come or my event coming up in two weeks. It has a lot of uh, professional athletes who I need help getting people there. So absolutely, um, it's a Q and A with those guys. So a lot of people want to listen to those guys. We'll we'll talk about that. But um, all right. So the way you and I re- reconnected because, like I said, I was there at KSC at the time uh, when you started the station, but we reconnected because of. One of the bands you guys work with, the Vibe, and uh, Jeff and those guys set me up with you get with you again. And so, um, you talked about community. Why is it important for you to be part of the community, other than to help the animals? 
It is the, you know, it's the, it's what, what it comes down to is the, um, is the vibe. I'll, I'll use that, that word, that, that energy, um, that everybody, everybody, you know, enjoys helping someone else. Helps they everybody likes to connect with uh with with someone else and that's and that's that's where that's where I I just thrive and uh, w- with with that it's it it you know I I get I get that momentum I I get that uh, I get that energy from you know as far as um you know as far as um. Working with with someone, whether whether it's a whether it's a city, it's a it's a company, a group, or what, what whatever it is. That's that that's that's my that's my wheelhouse. Uh, yeah, that's why, and that's your passion too, right? You're hundred percent, right? Yeah. So, all right, so we'll talk us through this a little bit. So, if you're a business or even an individual, you talked about putting a marketing plan for them and including them in that marketing plan. But how can a business? Help Rock for Rescues. How can individuals get involved and help with Rock for Rescues? Well, with that, obviously, 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 reach out to us. And you know what? What? What we do is, you know, each business we we will absolutely customize to customize to fit that to to fit that that business. If it's a tree service, or or if it's a mortgage uh, a mortgage company. They they may they may spend the same amount of money, but based on their business, what what we'll do we'll customize to fit that 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 business. You know, it's um, you know everything from being on site. It, it can be it can be uh, so, so social media spotlights. It can be videos. It can be uh, print print advertising. It can be radio. It can it all depends on what is most important. For for that for that bit business, and you know with, with that, so you know it's not a you know so any donations we we get uh, obviously helps. Uh, it it not only helps us, but but it also helps the four to five to six that 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 we're that we have uh, partnered with. How about individuals? Do you have opportunity for people to volunteer? Absolutely, every event we have, uh, especially. Especially the 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 two we have two c- c- coming up, um, September the twenty third in R- R- Roswell. Uh, we will absolutely need volunteers for for that. That will be a a big event. the The headliner for that is the is the P- Police uh, tri- Tribute Band, uh, which which they they have a huge crowd. Also at also at the Battery. Um, uh, in uh, in October, you know we will we will need absolutely. Uh, people to help you know load, load in load, load out uh, also uh, working with uh, lining up the you know lining up those with the with the costume contests and things uh, along those lines but yeah uh, all, all of the different events and for 2024 we will need a lot of volunteers so if somebody's listening and either wants to volunteer or be a business and wants to talk to you how can they get a hold of you Really easy. The simplest and easiest way is just reach out via via phone, and and my and my phone number is four zero four five one two six zero eight three. Text, call, wh- wh- whichever way. Also go also go to our uh, w- website, which is rockforrescues dot org, 
And our email is ray at rockforrescues.com. All right. So somebody's also listening. And again, I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked Cheryl. Um, somebody who's wanting to start a nonprofit because you're sitting again, sitting by somebody who wants to and give them some advice. What can you tell them? Make sure the passion is there. That's that. That's what what it what it comes down to. Um, it's not easy. There's a lot of things, a lot of hoops you have to go through, and but make sure it is a passion. Awesome. Well, Ray, thank you for sharing. We're going to move over to uh, Trevor here now. Trevor Cochran, TreeJobs.com. Welcome. Hey, how are you guys? Great. So uh, obviously it's in the name. You're yep. a tree tree, yep. tree service, but. You and I talked. You have a you have a passion for a nonprofit. We'll get into that for a second. But share your story. Share about uh, why you're doing yeah. the trees, and then that leads into your passion. Yeah. Um. So I I was pretty much born and raised into the industry, and um. Just ever since I was young, I can remember telling my father, "Hey, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to be a part of this." Uh, I got a significant amount of pushback. Um. I think for the first two, three, four, it was it wasn't that long. Probably. Within a year frame, I went and actually worked with kind of direct competition. Um, long story short, my father calls me up. He's like, hey, I got a position. If you're interested, why don't you come over and start a career with us versus, you know, go on the other route. So um, early on, I was probably 19 years old. I got handed uh, the position to kind of invest into some equipment, some trucks and stuff like that. And, uh, just went out and started cutting every tree that I was supposed to cut or trim or treat or anything like that. Um, but so ever since then, I've just, I've, I love it. It's all, I, I kind of eat, sleep, breathe it. I feel, um, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, but ultimately I've, I've moved more towards the, uh, the sales and advising position. And that's kind of given me a really good opportunity to go back on these projects and jobs and really evaluate what the person's goal is in their yard and figure out what they want and figure out the best tailored plan to get their project done. And then also, uh, like we've talked earlier, um, a lot of it is informing people and educating them on what's good, what's bad. And uh, I'm really grateful to be in the position now to where I can kind of sit back and really help people make those decisions versus, Hey, let's go in your yard and cut every single beautiful Oak tree you have. So, um, it's something that I've really, really, I, I find it really cool to be able to save the trees and, and again, uh, build a really good client list and, uh, relationships with people. Well, I, a testament to you is the fact that my mother had a need and, uh, it had really nothing to do with trees, but you were willing to come out look out and give some examples and, and also give us some referrals for those. And she wound up hiring the young man you sent. So, uh, but we appreciate that. So uh, that's just another part of you wanting to help people. So, um, all right. So are you an arborist? Yeah, I am. I'm not certified yet, but I will be shortly. Uh, sometimes I like to tell clients I know a little bit more than the certified <laughs> arborists. Um, I feel that way, but you know, to each is their own, but, um, yeah, I am an arborist. Uh, I can totally evaluate a tree, give you a tree risk assessment and just again, go about the game plan of what the best thing to do is per tree. Um, I guess I look at every tree a little bit differently, but there's certainly a lot of them that, again, I just, if we can save, let's save them and, and give them, you know, as much life as they can. And there's also really important trees in people's yards that, uh, you know, maybe it meant something like a family, uh, it could have been a family memory. It could be something that was planted when someone passed, you know, there's, there's all types of things in people's yards that they're extremely sentimental to. And it's cool to be able to go and look at one of those trees that's been in the family yard for 50 years and say, 
hey, let's let's do a ten year plan. Let's let's do pruning. Let's do treating. Let's do some fertilization. Let's let's try to hit all these things that this tree's missed for the past fifty years, so that we can then give it to whoever is next living in this house. That's hopefully a family member. So somebody who's listening may not know what an arborist is. Share what that is. Uh, so there's there's a couple different ways that you can look at an arborist, but an arborist is really anyone who is able to look, diagnose, treat, uh, remove, or just do anything that involves the health of the tree. Um, and it also goes to the extent of, you know, removing a dead or dangerous or hazardous or even nuisance tree that's on your property or, you know, is causing a problem. And the difference between being certified and non-certified? Uh, certified would be through uh, the International Society of Arboriculture, and it's really just a big test booklet of all the things that you really need to know to properly diagnose and treat a tree when they're when they're uh, getting to the end of their life or even sick or just having issues. Um, again, it's a, it's a really important thing to be certified in. You just – the science and everything. You learn a lot, and you're able to kind of relay a lot of that to who you're working with. Um, that goes as far as, you know, you can use those skills to – help a city plan where trees go. Uh, I mean, it's just, if you look outside, there's trees everywhere and it really helps you just navigate what to and what not to do with a tree. I'm always amazed at watching you guys work. My nephew-in-law is a tree. He works for a tree company down in Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, When my mom had a a job done, it was amazing to see those trees come down and not anywhere near the house. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you guys, can you walk us through something like that tree for a house that you're bringing down? Yeah. First things first, I think is safety. That's the priority. I mean, just, just there, there's plenty of situations that I've, I've seen a tree and it was big and nasty and gross. And unfortunately I've had to walk away from, um, we always had a solution. We found a way to do it. Maybe we brought a lift in, uh, like a manned lift or a, a bucket truck crane, anything like that. So, uh, first and foremost, making sure the tree is even safe, safe, safely doable, um, with what you have, but, uh, essentially you typically what you would do is you would send someone up like a climber and they will go out and they will bring a rope and a chainsaw and they'll have a, hopefully a big crew, eight, 10 guys below them that just, it's like an orchestra. Uh, they all work together so smooth, so fluently, and they will just start to disassemble this tree one branch at a time and just rope everything down and just, uh, carefully place everything. Uh, once stuff gets on the ground, uh, that crew is like ants. They just cut and move and stack and get everything out to the curb or to the grapple truck or chipper or whatever it may be that you're using. Um, but it's really, it's an orchestra. And, and, and the thing about it is every job is different and you will see some of the most amazing things in some of those big, large oak removals that you just, you'll be odd. I mean, there's, there's times when we're out working in neighborhoods and there's 20 people out standing in front of the yard watching it. So just, just out of amazement of how, how fluent a group can be. So and talk about safety. Don't go to their chipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually we're 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 pretty fortunate. We we don't really use chippers. So we're just we use uh these big roll off trucks called grapple trucks, and it's a little bit safer, a little more efficient for us in our style of work. So, so without being biased in your company, mm-hmm. how can somebody go about choosing a good company for their tree service? There's there's two things I can automatically say that you really need to do your due diligence on, and that is making sure. Well, one, trusting who you're working with, but uh you really want to make sure they have proper state workers comp and proper uh, licenses and insurances. And I mean, all, all that's a really, really big issue. You know, that also shows that if they have those, that they're, they're probably in business for the right reasons. Um, they're, they're really hard to get. They're really hard to hold. And if a company doesn't have either, or they're not a company you want to work with. Uh, it's, it, it puts a lot of responsibility and risk back on you. If you choose to use, you know, 
Tim with a chainsaw. Um, you know, someone gets hurt on your property. It's, it's, you're now liable for whatever happened. So is there, uh, any, I guess, advantage, disadvantage for, I guess there are some tree companies that's a one man show. Mm -hmm. Are those good, bad? Yeah. Yeah. I I have tons of friends like that and and they're great guys. And again, most of my friends that, that do something like that and they're contractors essentially, but uh, most of the things that you see that really advances them and puts them uh, a step above all the other guys is again, the insurances, the workers comps, the licenses and insurances and all that. So again, that in my opinion, that's the most important thing. Um, and then safety, you just want to make sure who you're working with. You can, you can kind of read them and understand that. I think that they're going to make a good decision when it comes to what to be done. Um, you know, it's, it, that's, that's the important part. I really think so. Right. It's, it's, you, you, I've seen so much happen and it's, uh, it's important to double check those. Right. So I'm, uh, curious what your thoughts are, especially not like in Emerson right now, they're clearing out all those trees on 41 right. on the hillside. Yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, what does that do to, in essence, the environment one, but also what does it, I mean, it, first of all, it looks bad. Right. It does. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a good question. And that's something that, that a lot of people don't look at. So there's a lot of, I have a really good acquaintance that's in, uh, Houston, Texas And his, the main business that he is in is he essentially advises for whether it be like a new target shopping center or a government complex or apartment buildings, he'll go out and he'll evaluate and say, Hey, you have this many, you have X amount of specimen, specimen live oaks on your property. We need to make sure that, you know, 20%, 80%, whatever it may be for this property stays. Um, it's, if it's the big part of that, that I think we're going to start to see across uh, the industry is cities, municipalities, they're going to start requiring people to hire some type of arborist that's on staff, that's on some of these large projects, uh, to look over and to make sure that not everything is just getting clear cut. Um, one of the worst things in my opinion is beautiful new neighborhoods that you drive through that there's not a single tree, uh, you know, I think we'll start to see a lot more of those or those entities requiring a green zone. So that's if if I had my my way about it and, and I could have some influence, I would definitely try to say Cobb County, you know, all, all these counties that we're in, uh, they need to, in my opinion, probably intimate or uh, implement some type of regulation that requires that green space. Um, like you said, it's just. It's clear cut and nothing's exciting about it. You know, we, we, these trees, I always say, once you cut them, you can't put them back. And if you could, that's the business I would be in. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame to see some of these trees cut. So, yeah. So, um, a couple other questions on this tree aspect, then we'll get into what, what, what you're passionate about. So, um, I'm curious, can you talk somebody, uh, for instance, my mother has a fence around her backyard and that's where the trees came down. Do you guys, and when you come in and see something like that, are you able to take the fence down and put it back up? Yeah, yeah, we'll 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 take the fence down, put it back up. We'll do everything. You know, really, the best way to do it is the most efficient way, and that typically is the safest way. Um, you know, sometimes we'll take a fence down to actually drop a tree versus sending a climber up in it and spending two or three hours dismantling it. Sometimes there's a good drop zone that will just also save you money, but also save us time. Which, uh, in essence, that makes everyone's job a little bit safer. So, yeah, there, there's there's so many situations that we get in where we have trees that are just up over power lines between six houses in downtown Atlanta that, you know, it, it, there's 10 fences, six houses, two roads, power lines, service lines. So it's, you, you get very creative. And, and again, 
every situation is different. And that's one of the really cool things about this business is you really, really learn. I'll, you'll, you'll see something new every day that you, once you see it, you're like, that was, that was real sharp. That was a real smart way to do that. So it's, it's, uh, I, I constantly get asked by clients. So how are you going to do this tree? And every time my answer is, well, you know, I'm not the one with the chainsaw, but I can tell you however they're going to do it. It's going to be the, the way that they're going to, it's going to be the right way. Um, you know, it's, you, you got to imagine someone up in a tree with a chainsaw and 110 feet up in the air. They're, they're, they're having to make different decisions than we are on the ground watching. So it's, it's a, it's a very, very interesting every day is a change business. So, uh, so two, well, three more questions, but the first one is kind of a two parter. So one is how often should you have trees trimmed? Mm-hmm. And then what's the second part of that is how can you tell when something is wrong with the tree and you need to call somebody like yourself to come take care of it? Yeah. One of the easiest ways you can do that is try to find an arborist or an advisor or someone that's in your area that can locally come out and assess your tree. Uh, it is hard to kind of look at, at a company and decide, Hey, are they going to just come out and try to sell me on a, on a, on a removal? But there's a lot of really, really great guys in this industry and they're more than willing to come out and spend some time with you and kind of explain to you what your trees are, what the health of them is and what you should and shouldn't be doing with them. Uh, you know, back to the trimming and pruning and all that. I have clients that have trees that are just hundred, 200 year oak trees and they just, they don't want to prune maybe they just want to do the dead wood. Um, and then I have clients who want to see me every two years or every year to just do a maintenance prune. So it's, it's really your style. You know, some people really like that earthy overgrown vibe, uh, and others like the really clean cut, just upkept trees. So it, it, and it's also to your tree. It's what, what personality your tree has, you know, from a live oak to a hickory to a red oak, you know, they all have a little bit and everyone grows different. So really every tree just needs to be evaluated and assessed. And just, it's really, that's why it's really important to work with someone that's going to really take a liking to your tree and really try to save it if that's your goal awesome the other one's just a curiosity question for me because i've noticed in the cracks of my mom's driveway and and sidewalk and all through the yard are these little things look like little pine trees is that what those are yeah little uh, six inches or you know less than a foot usually yeah they're they're little pine spurts um usually in flower beds and such and that's a yeah just coming off of any pine tree that's close the so um but yeah, that that's what those are, and you probably need to remove those, right? You should, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd get them before you need a chainsaw for them. You know, <laughs> it, 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 so they it, uproot it, your house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll save you a little bit of money in the long run. So, yeah, it's um, it's a lot cheaper for you to do them versus you know hiring a professional company. So, are there other trees that do that, or is it just pine trees? No, it's them? all of them. Yeah, yeah. So they'll they'll all. I mean, so there's you know, uh, fruit bearing and and all all types of trees like that. You can have birds that transfer their seeds and such. So it's um. But typically you'll, you'll, I can personally kind of look at a tree and I can see, oh, that's the mom tree. That's the son. That's the daughter that I can kind of look at them. And I like to think that way. So you got um, videos on that. You should put videos on that. That would be cool. Wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 So once I start ramping up the social media, that's something that that's a good thought. I'll I'll definitely keep a note on it. Awesome. All right. Well, you shared with me what you and you and your dad are talking about doing, wanting to do. Yeah. Because you guys also travel the country when there are natural disasters and help right, right. clean up. Um, and I'm sure people do that just because they think there's more money involved. But you guys have a passion for helping others. We do, and, yeah. And you want to do something where you want to help provide water for those folks. Talk us through that. Yeah. So one of the things that, that – uh, one of the big things that I've grown up doing and seeing is my father essentially responding to any type of natural disaster that was – pretty, pretty big. Um, that goes from hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, floods, 
uh, derechos, anything like that that causes a lot of vegetation damage. We've we've traveled from Katrina to uh, you know some of the recent hurricanes that have hit Florida to North Carolina, and in a time like that, people don't know what they they really get a, a hard reality slap of what it's like to have weeks and weeks without water, what it's like to not have power for a month or two. Uh, and then what it's like to, for the first, essentially one to two weeks, chaos, mayhem, no cell phones. Uh, so one of the big things that we, we've, we've really liked to make a big change in is having the ability to, which we were lucky enough to do this, uh, last year in Sanibel Island, Florida, but having the ability to go into a spot or a town that's been so devastated and, kind of bring back some of those creature comforts that have been stripped from you. Um, you don't know how hard it is without water until the water at your house is cut off for three weeks and there's no option. Even if your your water box and everything's fine, you're still not getting water. So uh, one of the things that we'd like to do is, is figure out how to implement just just a way to come in and bring some of those comforts back, whether it's it's large wash stations, whether it's you know shower stations, uh even to the little things of water bottles, hot dogs, just anything like that that can just for the first week or two or three or however long it takes get you a little bit more comfortable and just kind of help you uh, make good decisions when you're in a situation like that. And and it's it's chaos and it's mayhem and uh, it's it's really it's really tough to see that and and not be able to advise properly because everyone and their neighbors are just not uh, not able to think a sane thought. So, yeah, just just getting in and 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 really helping as much as we can, and and at least you know, again, getting someone a little bit of the creature comforts that have been stripped from them back to them. So obviously, other than starting up the five hundred one c three, what do you guys need to help get that started? We need what, and, and we have a, a, a awesome uh, girl that just started working with us that I think would be a really really great contender. Uh, we need someone like me and everyone else that has a big heart and a super drive to just go out and be the, the, the arrowhead of that. Um, it's, it, it takes a lot to, to be able to, to just, it takes a certain kind soul to be able to go out and just, that's all they think about. So again, I think the bigger our, our, our company grows and the bigger we, you know, the more people we add to our group and team, we're starting to see so many more kind hearts that are really wanting to, they don't only want to go out to help to remove the trees so that you can start the water mitigation and start the roof repair and et cetera, et cetera. They want to help on that other end of, of like we said, bringing back a little bit of comfort to you before everything comes around. So um, yeah, I, I think our team needs to grow, but I think we're, we're there and I think we really have the group that's able to, to get something rolling. So, so other than actually being on the show and talking about it, right. having somebody go out there into the communities and share and stuff like that—is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and 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 also we 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 need to start our our legal portion of it and just organization and et cetera, et cetera. Which very grateful for you to you know you I think you gave me three or four, you gave me three really really great connections from fundraising to you know starting the five hundred one c to all the all the stuff that you just don't think about until it's like okay we need to start thinking about how this is going to get done. So um, I'm curious when you do the natural disasters, have you guys had anything when there's been a forest fire? We haven't. And and I think the closest forest fire, which I have a really, really good, we have a good friend that has done, I really can't recall if he did it, but I think the closest thing we had was uh, Gatlinburg. And that was probably maybe 10 years ago. I'm really not too sure. But a lot of those forest fires that you see out in California and kind of out towards West uh, 
we, I actually, we have a really, again, another really good uh, family friend that is out there and that's, he works with uh, Phillips and Jordan, which is a, a big contracting company. And that's essentially all they do. They cut fire trees. Um, and it's extremely dangerous. It's, we actually, for, I guess it was five years ago, we went out and we spent a bunch of time in California and really considered, uh, being a part of the project, but it's, a uh, a lot of risk involved, but we haven't done any of that personally, but I do have really good friends that, that do that day in and day out. And it's, uh, it's just like our business. It's, it can be very, very dangerous. So, so share with somebody if they want to, uh, be involved. Well, first of all, if they need your, your services for any trees job, how can they get it? Sure. Yeah. You can call me, uh, can look at our website it's uh if you just google tree job i'll pop up you can look at the reviews you can i i, I think my, i know my name's up there a lot so um kind of goes to show how much i want to help uh or you can give me a text or a call or however you'd like uh, i'm really quick on the phone at 678-925-1472 or you can call the office 770 tree job if somebody's also listening and they want to get involved and help you with your nonprofit that you're trying to start, how right. can they do that? Yeah, I the the best thing is to have someone who's willing to strap their boots on and get in the car and drive across the country to wherever something is is happening. Um, that's a big part of it. You, we're we're away from our families for sometimes two months, and if you're not, if you don't have that in your mind that this is what it's going to take to to help and make a change and and do what you need to do, it's going to be really tough to go and do something for two or three days. You, you really need to have the mindset of when I'm deployed, essentially, uh, I'm going to, pro- I might spend a lot of time here. So I, I'm not sure if I did, but I think I need to connect you with John from performance Plum- plumbing at a ball ground. He was on here because when the big freeze happened out in Dallas a yeah. few years ago, yeah. he actually and his plumbing company went out there and helped mm-hmm. with that. So mm-hmm. that would be a good partnership. You guys yeah. talking right there. Yeah. So uh, I'll make that connection, but um, okay, so you heard some advice from these two about starting a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in the middle of trying to do that. Give some advice for somebody else who's thinking about it. I would think, well, A1, I would get in touch with Brian because Brian just has a Rolodex of just, <laughs> I mean, anyone and everyone you can imagine, he he can find you someone for that. Um, but I, I think it's, I mean, like everyone said at the table, it's really important to make sure that it's something that you want to be a part of and you want to put your, you know, your name or your business or your brand behind. Um, I, the, the, one of the big reasons I've been drawn into it is because for the past 10 years, since I understood what they meant, I've heard my father and his partners and people they work with, uh, discussing just, just the amount of, of change that it could make going into a situation like that. And then of course, seeing others being able to do it, there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to play a part in it and help everyone in those situations. Um, I just lost my train of thought. That doesn't happen very often. No, so uh, oh, I know what I was going to ask you. So you also are getting involved in the networking mm-hmm, as well. Right. Um, so other than the networking aspect of it and stuff like that and your passion for this, why is it important for you to be part of the community? Uh, you know, networking I think is really important because it's it's my line of business. It's how I get – it's how I pay my bills and it's how I meet people. And the biggest part to that I think is that – there are so many situations where I see homeowners or I see, you know, commercial bu- buildings or uh, anyone that is involved in making the decision on what to do with a tree on their property. Uh, I see them get swayed into the wrong decision because either it's more profitable for a business or it's just the way they do things. Um, there's so many times when I see that happen, and especially on insurance claim situations where. Uh, someone is told that they don't have all the amenities to their policy like they do. Um, so there's, again, there's been so many times in, in my short, uh, 
side of the business that I've seen people really get taken advantage of and um, not really get what they they could have gotten. So uh, that's why I think it's important. Again, I hate to see someone getting taken advantage of and not get something done right. So you actually brought up a good point that I want to ask you about. If you know about this, you talked about the insurance aspect of it. So right. uh, not too long ago, my mom had a tree come down that was on the back side of the property, but it was on the other person's, but it damaged her fence. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying it was the other person's insurance that had to cover it. So do you guys know anything about what Yeah. Yeah. I battle that daily. Um, yeah. They, so they, there's a lot of ways that the law reads, but essentially, uh, if it's an act of God or an act of nature or however you care to look at it, if it's come onto your property, you have adopted a tree. So uh, whether it's a 200 foot, that's not really possible, but a oak tree in the neighborhood or, you know, a little dogwood tree that fell over the fence, you've adopted that problem. And it's something that you have to take care of. A lot of times in, in, in certain areas, you see people that want to be great neighbors and they'll take care of it. But um, it, it really, it's your responsibility. It lies on you. So, yeah, that that's how that. So works even out. if part of the trees, like the the stump, still in their yard, but the right, yeah, wow. you've adopted the ten foot, forty foot, whatever it may be. Interesting. Thanks for that. Yeah, knowledge. yeah, yeah. That that throws a lot of people for a curve out of town. They think that it's because it's their neighbor's tree, they need to take care of it, or so on and so forth. But it's it's your problem. Yeah. Wow. So all right, share your website one more time. Uh, treejob dot com, and it's actually treejob dot com. You can just find it that <laughs> yeah. way. That's the best way to find it. So. All right, before we wrap this up, I like to ask this question for all three of you. So I'm going to get a piece of knowledge from you that's a positive nugget word quote that we can share with those listening that live today, the rest of 2023 and beyond with. So Cheryl, what do you got? Wow, you you got me speechless too, right? <laughs> so um, I'll just have to go with work, right? So what I do as a passion and um, – you know, as my money maker, right? Is uh, it is a little confusing out there, but it is still a good time to buy a house. Awesome, Ray. Hmm. I would say, put aside the ego. Our ego does not do us any good whatsoever. We all need somebody. We are built. We were made to to. To be a, a part of others. So set aside that ego, reach out. Somebody will absolutely grab that hand, grab that shoulder. They'll be right right there w- with you. Wow. Great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Trevor, what you got? Uh, I think it's one thing that I've learned is it's really important to consider everyone and who you're around and to remember that not every day is going to be a good day. And no matter who you're around, someone might be having one of those days that aren't good. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really important to remember that we're all human and we're all going through things and uh, treat others nicely because you don't know what they're doing or what, what's going on and uh, it will pay you back. You know, doing doing others right and, and doing what you believe in will always come back to, to treat you how you, you thought it would. Awesome. Well, again, I also like to say the simple thank you is a lost art these days. So, Cheryl, thank you for not only coming on the show, but what you do in education your folks with the mortgages. Ray, thank you for what you're doing for those pets. And Trevor, thank you for the education and trying to help others with their tree problems. So, yep. thank you. Everybody thank out you. there listening, let's remember, let's be positive, let's be charitable.